Welcome to the Business Sphere. On this podcast, we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are. John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges. We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Sphere. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. My guest today is CEO of Leaders Press, Alinka Rutkowska. Leaders Press is a hybrid publishing house and distribution. She helps entrepreneurs create books from scratch, and 91 of them have become bestsellers. So thanks for joining me today, Alinka. Oh, thank you so much, John. Yeah, actually, it's 130, more than 130 now. So, so yes, <laughs> I, I, I do apologize. Here. Yeah. So I, again, it's uh, always growing, right? And there's always a new, um, you know, milestone that's achieved with all these authors. So I'd love to hear, and maybe you from yourself, how did you become who you are? And maybe share with the listeners like your journey. How did you be, you know, that that starting the pivotal moments and what got you started to start this company of yours? Okay, so for some context, I guess I'll share that uh, our unique selling proposition is turning entrepreneurs' book ideas into bestsellers. We get them on the USA Today Wall Street Journal bestseller list. We did that for more than 130 authors. And we also get them into bookstores. So we have a distribution partnership with one of the largest distri- with one of the largest publishing houses in the US. So that's what we do right now. Um, I will share four context purposes that right now we're a multi-million dollar business. And we uh, I founded the business four years ago. So four years ago, we were at you know zero. <laughs> so it's pretty exciting to, to see this grow. It's been um we've we've had no funding whatsoever so it was all you know organic growth uh i think it's called uh client fueled growth or there's some sort of term but basically you know we didn't take any loans any funding nothing so you can do this you know from scratch with an idea and just the right set of i think skills and mostly attitude um is what you need to to make this happen so it hasn't been so long, you know, uh, four years, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, I know there are people who've achieved much more in a much faster period of time, uh, but, you know, uh, I like to mind my own business. And, <laughs> and so I'm happy, you know, doing what I'm doing, pretty monotonous and, and uh, or in other words, um, dedicated. So like if uh, all I'm focused on is growing leaders press. Like when you talk to entrepreneurs and you ask them what they're up to, you'll hear, oh, this startup, that startup, investing here, investing there, doing this, doing that. And then they ask me, what about you? Oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just growing leaders press. That, that's all. That's all I'm doing. And um, it's been paying off. So how did I get here? I have corporate, uh, corporate background. So I worked in multinational corporations. And I do have also a, a business background in terms of education. Uh, so I did a master's degree in uh, one of the top universities in Europe. In Europe, it's called Bocconi in Milan, and um, you know that's uh, that is. I am working within what I studied, so that's exciting because there's a lot of people who you know studied ten years to be a doctor and then decided to be an entrepreneur and do something completely different. Fine, <laughs> I'm sure they you know took something from it, 
but it actually is a natural continuation of what I've always been doing. But working in the corporate world and having your own business is completely different. Um, however, I feel that I learned a lot, um, both at university and uh, in the corporate world, but mostly in terms of attitude, not so much in terms of skill, because, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm using any of those whatever statistics, you know, advanced statistics that I had in business school. I'm not doing any of it. And when you're an entrepreneur, you know how to surround yourself with the right people. You're going to have the you know, right person do this complicated calculation for you. Uh, all you need to know is how to find that person. <laughs> That's what you need to know. So I think the attitude. Uh, I remember when I first started university, um, and I started in Poland, and then I um, transferred to Italy. It was the top business school in Poland, and what they said at the very first uh, lecture, and it was the dean of the university, he said, we do not grow employees, we grow employers. So if you're here, you will be an employer. And I didn't think that way at the time. I wanted to go into the corporate world. So this was not exactly what I, I didn't buy into it, but he was right. <laughs> yeah. So that's amazing to hear because coming from top business schools globally, Harvard, Stanford, where you were, it was all about the mind, right? Mm -hmm. Educational prepares you. And there's a lot of unknowns, right? Until you're set into the workforce in the corporate environment to see how, you know, the rat race and how the day-to-day -day activities either challenge you or really reflect on why am I doing these tedious tasks when I should be thinking bigger, right? So was there pivotal times and moments throughout that stages of you finishing school to maybe working for a couple of years to then starting your company? What did you learn? Maybe share with the audience members some of the, what you did during those years. I think there were a couple of moments that were like milestones in my life in terms of how I got to where I am. And one of them was for sure me being admitted to that university, the top business school in Poland. Uh, it was a big deal. It was very, very difficult to get in. I studied a lot for two years of high school. All I did was study <laughs> to get in there. So I was, I was the typical nerd. You know, I didn't have a social life. I didn't have any friends. I didn't know how beer tasted. No idea. <laughs> so I just studied and, and I got in. That was my biggest dream at the time. And when I was between the ages of 16 to 18. And I did that. And I think that, uh, you know, I, it put me on a certain tra trajectory that otherwise I would not have been on. And you can get to, you can be a, a highly successful entrepreneur without going to any school, any university, you don't need that. Uh, but for me, I think I needed that because <laughs> I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. I don't have that type of background. Um, I was the only one who was really interested in you know, business. So that was huge, just going to that university and the things they were feeding us you know, mentally, uh, how um capable we are how amazing we were that's what they were telling us i don't know if they do that in other schools but they were just continually feeding us how we are the ones who will be leading the economy the you know banking industry the politics the everything they were saying you know our people have always ruled or ruling and will rule <laughs> that's what i was told <laughs> i was like okay i had no idea just listening to this you know first days of university and 
That's what they're telling us. So a little bit of that, you know, it builds confidence. You're like, okay, well, I am here to, to lead something, to create something, to, um, you know, to make a difference. And uh, then I think the important, like the other milestone was that I managed to get on this management program in Italy, in Bocconi University, because uh, that was also a completely different uh, uh, mindset that I need to have. I need to, needed to go abroad, not knowing anybody, you know, creating a life in a new city, with a new language. And I was able to do that. I loved it. Then the next pivotal, pivotal moment was when I found an internship, and that was in Shell. I worked in Shell, you know, the oil. Oil, yeah. And yeah, um, in, the, in Italy. And it was huge to get that internship because I remember my friends who were looking for internships, they were happy if they got an internship that paid them like a couple hundred euros, which is like a couple hundred dollars. Uh, and they were happy because it was a big deal. To, and, you know, those are huge names. If you look at the skyscrapers in, a, you know, any huge metropolitan area, those were the companies that were paying that. And I went to Shell and they actually paid me something that was similar to a, to a starting salary as an internship. So I was way above all my uh, friends in terms of the pay grade uh, when I started, which when I look at it now, I was like, <laughs> what was that? I was able to live on that. I was. Like I had a different lifestyle. It was just me. And I was super excited to be in this multinational corporation that I looked up to. Had a great boss. Learned a lot. Um, they wanted me to stay. Like They wanted me to stay because it was for six months and they wanted me to stay for longer. And I was looking for something more that would be more stimulating. So I found a... Well, one of my um, friends in Shell was in a management program. So he was, you know, the management program or the future leaders of the company where they um, groom you. They have you do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit in, the, in, in this country, in that country headquarters. You come back and you're managed to, you know, you're supposed to grow really quickly through the ranks. That's not, uh, so I, I wasn't in that program. I was an intern. So he said, if you're going to do anything in these multinational companies, look for a management program like that. So I believed him. And I started looking for management programs in uh, multinational companies in Europe. Because my only thing was I wanted to be in Europe because my parents were in Poland and I never wanted to change the continent. But, when I, but wherever in Europe, I was fine. So anywhere. So I was looking for those. And I found this management program in Whirlpool. And then there was a, there was a test. There was a two-day assessment center. There were 10 people in that assessment center. And two were admitted, and I was one of them. I couldn't believe it. I was like, these guys are smarter than me. Why are you taking me? And so that was huge to me. I couldn't believe it that I made the, the cut. Like, I didn't understand because I could really see how smart those guys were. And, and I don't think I had that level uh, of intellect that they had. I guess I had something else. <laughs> so, so I came on board, and I was part of that program. Um, I worked in logistics. In Italy, um, then I had a project in a factory, which was a Six Sigma, uh, Lean Six Sigma project, and I uh, became a Six Sigma black belt. So I know all about, you know, cutting waste and all that stuff. Had a project in a factory in Italy where they looked at me like a complete alien because yeah. I just had completely different a different attitude that they had. They were afraid of me because I was there to cut cost. 
So I wasn't able to make friends with almost anybody. There was these two guys were the only two that were speaking to me and that I could have, you know, coffee with or not afraid of me. I was, I was miserable there. And I was crying on the phone saying you guys, to the HR, the corporate uh, headquarters, I was crying on the phone saying, I don't think I can do this anymore. I, remember, I feel like an alien. I have different hours, different lifestyle. I can't do this. And they said, well, we weren't supposed to tell you this, but if you stay strong and last till the end, your next project is in Paris. And I was like, oh, Paris. Like, you know, everybody's dream. <laughs> so I went to Paris. I was super excited about going to Paris, customer service project. Um, the only thing is that I didn't really speak good French. Like I speak five languages, but French is not one of them. And, uh, French is a beautiful, I mean, Paris is a beautiful city, but I was not able to connect because the, I was in customer service. There was almost all people who were on young people on the phone who spoke fluent French, but very little English. The only people who spoke English were on the higher levels, people with families, and, it, you know, I was in my 20s. I had a completely different lifestyle than people with families. So, again, uh, I couldn't really connect with the reality there. I had a lot of friends coming over for the weekend, you know, that I had previously. <laughs> I, I was everybody's best friend when I was in Paris. I, was, I always had somebody on my couch. But, yeah, it was not, you know, what it would have could have been in my mind, I guess. If I had spoken French, it would have been different. And I went back to Italy started working in uh, operations. Uh, so in manufacturing, I was responsible for the budget of four factories uh, in Europe. And I mean, that was really interesting because like the factory directors would call me and ask me if they could have more money for this, if I could cut somewhere else. I have explaining to me what machine they need, what a dust. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I was managing like $20 million of budget for these factories. To me, it was just an Excel sheet. <laughs> Like, I didn't understand that this number means, you know, this machine is going to produce. And, you know, I was like, what, what am I doing? And uh, I mean, it was obvious that I was not in the right place. They're like, that was not what I was passionate about. And I wanted to get into the Six Sigma thing, the cost cutting, the lean, uh, you know, all that stuff. But they didn't really want me to do that. They were offering me other jobs, which I didn't want to do. And at the end, I managed to basically get them to pay me to leave. So they paid me like a year and a half of salary. And, you know, like any wise entrepreneur, what did I do? I spent it all on a trip around the world. Amazing. <laughs> so I went on this trip around the world. Uh, I, met, I did a cruise from uh, New Zealand to Australia. And I met this very handsome sailor whom I married <laughs> oh, wow. later. So I was good for a while. I didn't really have to do anything because, you know, he does well, but I just have to do something with myself. I, I, I couldn't not do anything. So I started with one book, wrote this one book, um, started marketing it, was doing really well. And then I started sharing with other authors how I was doing it. And they seemed to be more interested in the marketing than in the book itself, although the book was doing really well. And so I started doing more books of my own, started helping others with their marketing. And that went on for years. That went on for like seven years, uh, just, you know, figuring out what I want. And in uh, 2017, I went to a mastermind in London with Dean Jackson. Okay. And he, yeah, and he was like, like, you're doing all these things. What's the highest value offer you could, you could, you could offer to your clients? And I was like, huh, well, if I just, 
uh, help them come up with the idea that was good, that helped them stand out and then bring in a team to write the book. Cause like, I'm not a ghostwriter, but bring in somebody who could do it and then help them with the marketing because the marketing is where I'm really good at. And he's like, there you go. <laughs> so at that mastermind, I, uh, I thought, well, okay, what could we call it? And, you know, who's the target audience? So, you know, entrepreneurs business, cause that's what I've always loved. And how do we call it? What do we call it? And I was like, oh, what about leaders press? Let's see, let's go to GoDaddy and see if it's free. And I'm like, it's free. Nobody's ever thought about it. And Dean was like, I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it's available. You know, get it right now. So I got it then. And, uh, and we got started. So now it's, uh, yeah, we're renewing four years. And it was, uh, you know, a good domain to get. because Now here we are. That's such an incredible story um, because traveling around the world, you know, meeting someone, but also really understanding what you really wanted to do, right? And finding that passion, right? Like I, before I get into those business questions, I want to ask you those years of the Six Sigma, right? Where you had to go in and procure and trying to figure out like cut costs and you know, cut people's jobs, livelihoods, people that have been in it for like 20, 30 years, that families to support. How did it feel? Like, did you have to do the cut? cut? Like, did you have to do the firing? Or was it just to acknowledge the, the process and figure out which division or where do you need to kind of remove some of the, the overlap? I didn't do any firing and I don't think my uh, project uh, contributed to firing, uh, but that's what the people thought <laughs> that were working around me. Like this person is going to get us fired. What I had to do was like, you know, find where there was some idle time that could have been uh, shrunk or just, you know, things that are not done efficiently in the factory. It's maybe more like uh, managing um, their flow of what should be first, what should be next, who should come in when, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so they're just looking how that connects to what I'm doing right now. I think I've always been very um, uh, mindful of cost, you know, of, of, of what we're spending. And, you know, now our costs are large because we have a team of 30 and, you know, big marketing machine behind us. But even though there are 30 people and you have like two COOs, um, chief sales officer, chief business officer, I'm still the CFO. Yeah. I don't like the job necessarily. I don't like the financials. I'm the creative person, but I do them because I think it's very important for me to have a really strong grip on what's going on, yeah. um, you know, what we're spending money on. And, uh, you know, I think being able to live like on a small budget when I was an intern by myself, without any extra money because the moment I, I got the internship I stopped asking my parents for money and I was able to save and go on vacations and go visit my parents and you know do all the stuff I wanted to do um, it really teaches you to manage a manage a budget okay you have a small budget but you manage it and so as the budget was becoming bigger and bigger you know both personally and um, and now there's the company finances, I think that taught me to, to manage it. Plus I was managing the 20 million for the factories. <laughs> so that also taught me to manage the finance, which I think is very important because I've heard so many um, 
so many horror stories of you know business partner that uh you know took all the money or or was uh, spending like the, the owner had no idea where the money was going like i find that crazy how can you not know that how can you not keep an you know keep track of all that um and you know being able to create this from scratch so you know with zero zero really really with zero so you know sell the first thing up front the first service up front do it you know, um, and, and then grow like that. So you can do it because, you know, I did it and many others have done it as well. That's amazing to hear. So let's go back to that around the world um, vacation or trip, right? Um, how long was it? And was it a cruise or did you actually stay at all seven continents and stay at different places? So I started in uh, New Zealand, Australia, and then I went to Asia, then I went to Europe, and then I went to uh, America, uh, North America. So I sort of, I skipped Africa in that, and, and South America. So I, I did that sort of loop. Okay, cool. And were there memorable moments along the way that you can think of that are <laughs> like, bucket list kind of places because again i'm a big avid bucket list kind of person love traveling um would you share with the audience members some pivotal memorable moments that you would all maybe go back to now that you've seen a lot in the world um i don't know this is like a super private moment i've never actually shared anywhere but i think it gave me a lot of um self-confidence so uh when i met my husband and, and he wasn't my husband at the time yet so I, i've known him for a short time i remember we were in this jacuzzi uh on the ship on the cruise ship at night so you know the stars you just could see the stars and you're in the water and there was nobody because it was light and we just had a chat and um starting trying to figure out you know where this might be going. And I wasn't, you know, I just love the corporate world. I didn't have a business yet. Uh, so it was just, you know, all these possibilities in front of me, all this potential. I also wanted a family. And so I was trying to, you know, without scaring him away, because you tell a guy you want a family, he runs away. <laughs> without sort of figuring out what, you know, uh, what I got here, because I also didn't want to waste time. Like if he didn't want a family, I was out because I knew I wanted one. I was 29. Uh, 29 at the time 28 29 so i already knew that that's the reason i left the previous guy <laughs> so you know what? after two years he couldn't he couldn't he even you know had a conversation about family i was like you know what i'm out yeah so uh i remember he said something like he gave me an indication that he also wanted a family and that i don't need to be stressing out about finances because he's fine he's he's doing okay so that was something that um, was it's a huge mental comfort. It's huge, huge mental comfort that I don't actually you know, need to worry about it because my, my, my needs are secure, so to speak. But, you know, you know, when you look at the Maslow's pyramid of needs, yeah. Yeah. okay, you know, you're fed, you slept well, you have a roof, uh, you have a roof, um, you have friends. So you have a you know close relationship, and then what? Like you want the next thing, like you want the self-actualization part. So you want to do something, you want to do something, and so it can go in many directions. But uh, you know, just always felt this. Um, I've always been drawn to to business. It was, it was like a magnet. So 
so I, you know, figured, figured it all out. And now I'm the one that can tell him, you don't need to worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, right? A role reversal, right? Um, but it's, yeah. it also is about the comfort, right? Because people have to be at the right stage at the right time right? For you to make a decisive decision. And it's the same thing with business. When you're trying to grow and scale too fast, hire too quickly, are you ready for the amount of burden, expense load? Do you have systems, processes? Do you have lead flow, funnels? Do you have things ready for you to position yourself, right? Same with in life. And it's great that you're mentioning this because, you know, your past relationships, they were just ready. And you knew in your mind, your body, your, you know, you're educated, you know, what you're capable of who you want to align yourself with, right. And it's more like figuring out who that partner is, where you want to live, how you want to go about the next 510 rest of your life is so critical. And I talk about this all the time on my podcast. It's like, life is all about the relationships and experiences that you make the most out of. And if you're able to figure things out, be decisive along the way and pick and choose how you want to live, be in control of it. And you were in a good space because you, you pick and chose your destination, able to travel, pick and chose who you want to be with, pick and chose, you know, your next kind of next career move. And now you're in full control of your destiny and People forget how hard it was for you to get started. You were educated, top of your class, and you got some experience, work experience to give you insights on what you wanted to ultimately do. But people don't see that. They only see you as the CEO of this company now, right? They don't talk about the last 10, 20 years of the struggle to get there. Yeah, yeah. Those those years, I didn't get out of the house and just study like the nerd that I was. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's great because it's the time commitment that people have to go and put themselves through. And I always look at leaders, CEOs or corporate leaders, that it's like sports athletes. There's no Messi, Ronaldo, or whoever it is. Like there's no LeBron James. There's no athlete Tiger Woods if they didn't start doing it 20 years prior, 30 years prior, and they would be working on their art, habits, nutritionist yeah. training for good 10, 12 hour days where their friends were out partying, drinking, doing these things. They were out doing what they knew they wanted to do, right? And get better, right? So it's uh, the yeah. same thing as entrepreneurs. Yeah, and I, I just started horseback riding six months ago. Um, I got extremely passionate about it and I go every day and uh, I was reading um, this book, uh, The Art of Impossible by Stephen Kotler. And he was, you know, talking about athletes, uh, you know, just to what you're saying that, you know, you go and look at their performance. Like you look at the, uh, for, so for horseback riding, you look at them jumping the fences and how spectacular that looks. And the whole thing takes like a minute and a half, you know, two minutes jumping eight fences. Um, and, but you don't think about like the hours of just going in circles and just, just, you know, perfect position and focusing on how to, you know, 
the, your seat and how you hold your hand and where you look and all, all those things. It's just the glamorous, you know, two minutes. And uh, to get to those glamorous two minutes, there's years and years and years of uh, almost torture sometimes. But, you know, the passion is so big that you'll do it. You do it because you love it. <laughs> it's the same thing as Olympic athletes. Those Olympians. I mean, the sacrifice they, they put themselves through at that young age to then have that last 10 seconds of their life career, right? It's amazing, but people don't see that, right? It's the same thing with business, same thing with uh, people have time. They can do whatever they want with their time, but you can choose. And if you're fortunate enough to live in the first world country, you can dictate how you want to live. Unfortunately, if you're you know, less privileged, or you're not in a country that allows for it. And, you, you know, Maslow's law, of, uh, you know, needs, if you can only survive shelter food, then it's unfortunate, right? But we're so fortunate to be in the position of, you know, choice, really. Yeah, there's also the concept of return on time, right? Yes. So uh, you only have so much, how are you going to spend it? to get what type of return. So like, I think about my, like I told somebody like I go horseback riding every day and they're like, so how much time does it take you out of your day? I'm like two hours. And how are you able to do things, you know, work-wise? I'm like, look, I have a team of people. So I don't need to be doing like, if there's activities level one to level five, level five being like the highest mentally, um, uh, highest level, then I'll just offload all the other activities that I don't need to be doing to my team. I can free up two hours out of my day. And I know that what I'm doing there is also, it gives me all kinds of things. Like, first of all, total reset from the business, because all I'm focusing on is my seat. And when I'm looking and where I'm, and you know, I'm, I'm there 100%. I'm not on the horse thinking, ah, oh, how, you know, what's going to be the next email marketing, uh, you know, newsletter that I'm going to send out. No. Um, and I also do other extreme, extreme, I know that's not extreme, but I do some other crazy things like going into uh, swimming in the cold sea in winter. Uh, I see your book, Womb Hoff Method. So I studied that. And all you do when you do that, you survive. So you can't think about, ah, you know, I, how am I going to respond to this potential client? No, all you're thinking about, you know, it's how not to die. So um, this is great for the system, for the body. As you do that, there's a complete shock for the system. Uh, it's all health coming in. And in the art of impossible, uh, um, Stephen Cutler says that you need to be doing sports like that for peak performance. Because you, you can't be sitting in front of your computer for 12 hours a day, like from eight to eight. Like after four hours, like what, what are you actually doing? Like what is your performance level? You, you need to go out, do something, rest, and then you can come back and you know, perform again. So I think that's also important. And I see a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who are doing really well are uh, have some sorts of sports routine in their lives. And that's amazing. And I'll just give you, share this with the audience members. I just picked up rock climbing mm. with my son, but it gives me something to strive for, right? Like these rocks and grip and the strength and the way you kind of mentally prepare yourself it's incredible. It's like, eventually I want to do, and I was talking to a friend that just did a ultra marathon, you know, 15 hours back to back marathons. I mean, it's 
that's what stimulates and challenges humans. And you got to stretch yourself. Yes, you got to prepare. Yes, you got to, you know, train and make sure your health is there, sleep, wellness, everything is optimally running. It's the same thing with business. For you to perform at peak, you better have time to really think about the most important tasks that you should be responsible for. Everything else should be offloaded. So just like the decisions that you have for top level five and upwards, right? That's what you should really worry about. Everything else can be given to any of the team members, right? Like marketing, email funnels, drip campaigns, social media hook lines. It you don't you shouldn't be doing it. You should actually only be looking at like mergers, acquisition, big partnerships, you know, masterminds with other type of people that are at your level, right? So it's great that you're talking about this because a lot of business owners will never get to that level because they're thinking too small. Yeah, I think it's a good uh, exercise when you're just starting out. If we have people in the audience who are you know, just starting out or thinking about starting to hire a virtual assistant from day one, or if not from day one, from day two, once you've you know, made your first sale, have an assistant because that really teaches you this discipline of, hey, I don't actually need to do this. Uh, my time would be better spent coming up with the next marketing campaign or you know whatever to grow the business. And uh, you know I started with uh, one assistant and one writer. That that's that's how we started. So I had you know a team of two or you know three with myself. Now we have a team of thirty. So it, and it's like it didn't all just happen like that. It was just you know, okay, we sold more, we perform, we know we did a good job, another client. So now we need another writer and now we need another editor and now we need another designer and now another marketing person. And now we need a, somebody else to sell because I can't take all the sales, sales calls. And, and it just grew like that. And that's smart way of growing a business, right? People try to grow and scale too fast. They think they can do everything and carry all this load and energy. And it's great that you mentioned at the beginning that your focus and energy is on this business. People lose focus because they're doing so many things all the time. And therefore, they're not clear on what their most important thing is that they should really focus on. So if you're running a business, it's great to really be intentful, focus on what your goals are for this company for a period of time. Give it time, right? Give it three, five, 10 years, right? Like no one's an overnight success in a year, two years. There could be anomalies where one in a billion may strike it rich, right? Like VC startup or you meet someone, you know, that is close ties to you or whatever. But really, the odds are so slim. Yeah, agreed. So tell us, you know... I know we're going to go back to the business, right? The last four years, but the seven years of getting to the point where you met Dean Jackson and maybe it was a mastermind group or just to think differently. What was the seven years like versus the last four years? Um, I think the seven years was, you know, me trying to figure out what I really wanted to do when I grew up. <laughs> um, I had the luxury to do something that I'm passionate about. So, so that's what I did. I just thought, yeah, let me do what I love doing. I loved writing books um, and I loved, you know, marketing and all that. And so I was trying to find a way to monetize that and just kept learning. Um, 
you know, a lot of virtual summits at the time I was consuming. So learn something here, learn something there. Um, somebody at a virtual summit spoke about a membership site. So I got their software and created a membership site. Um, so it really is when you look at it about the people that you surround yourself with. And, uh, you know, and just, I like to learn. So I think learn something and implement it, test it. It might not work. Like I'm not so scientific. Like you need to A, B, test this too. I don't always A, B, test. So I'm just going to throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. Okay. And I'm, I have a lot of ideas. I might have 10 ideas. Nine will suck, but one will be great. And that one will take you to the whatever level that you want. And then you just focus on that one thing that works. So those seven years, I mean, yeah, they, they, they got me to where I am now because that's when I, I started listening to uh, the I Love Marketing podcast pretty early on. I was extremely attracted to that mindset and you know the whole idea of Genius Network where you need to have a million-dollar company to even get in. I was like, oh, my God. Like, uh, when, when might that happen, if ever, you know? And so that as soon as I got there, I immediately signed up. <laughs> Uh, and I remember I, 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 you know, I went through their processes before and I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't meet their requirements. So, oh no, thanks. <laughs> but um, I think having something to aspire to and, uh, you know, if you want to be, for example, in Genius Network um, or, you know, if you want to, let's say, whatever your goal is, and, you know, let's keep it about business. If you want to have a seven figure business, hang out with people who do. And if you can hang out with them um, in person, read their books because they like to they like to share what they've done and how they've done it. Love your bookshelf behind you. I mean, if, if you read all those books, then you're already on the right track. You read, but not only read, you read and implement. Read and implement. Read and implement. Yeah. And then like maybe, I don't know, 20% of it will stick, but then that's the 20% that becomes you and that becomes that high performance you. You need to you don't need to agree with everything in those books but you know if just one idea clicks and then becomes your life like it it gets you there so i see the wim hof method behind you like i have um on my phone the the wim hof app like it's my chart for, for breathing uh, so i do this every morning as part of my routine and i mean i heard about this on genius network i heard about wim hof there because it's about, you know, we talk about health, yeah. uh, wealth, and, and health, the business being easy, lucrative, and fun. Plug for Genius Network, by the way. <laughs> uh, but it's just uh, that the surrounding yourself with people that you want to be like. And, uh, and so, okay, Wim Hof wrote the whole book, and it's amazing. And I'm, maybe I'm not going to close myself in a, you know, container of ice cubes for two hours, okay? Because, you know, that's maybe not my level. But I do the breathing exercise every morning and I do the cold swimming and cold showers. And it's part of my DNA right now. I, yeah. But I picked it up from somebody, right? Yeah. So I picked this up. I picked up, you know, Qigong. I picked up uh, whatever, mind movies. So I watch these movies that, uh, that I created, two-minute movie that, you know, has all my affirmations, everything yeah. that I want. Great for this, yeah. Uh, and uh, and just just the mindset, like the mindset of you don't need to be, you know, 
doing those hero hour, hour, hours, like in the Silicon Valley, I hear, oh, yesterday I worked 16 hours and I didn't even eat. And I, Yay, well done. No, I mean, I don't think that's, you know, well done. I think well done is if you have time for y- your business, but also your family and your health and, and you sleep, <laughs> that's important. And you're able to organize your life like that. Then I think, you know, well done. You, you know, you know, when you're happy and satisfied, and that's when you can say, well done. Yeah, I think lifestyle, right, is a huge component of what you want to mold your life to want to look like. So look at people's life in general. Who do you want to be like in 20, 30, 40 years? And get to know those people. Find out those tips and tricks. And it's great that I think Genius Network is Joe Polish, right? And finding out like if those are the people like you, like your tribe, right? Your community. And they are great successful business owners or they think differently. And they're very health conscious and they push themselves and their people to be similar to them, then go gravitate towards them. If you want to gravitate towards marathon runners, go gravitate towards them because they're going to have a different lifestyle, eating and exercising and whatever it is, right? If you want to be an educator, go gravitate towards book clubs and people that you want to see yourself like. And this is life in general. If you want to be the best parent, right? Or you're the best aunt, uncle, or whatever it may be, go find people that you want to be like. And books are great. Audio podcasts are great. Video YouTubes are great. There's abundant amount of communities online now. And you can be a part of joining them, right? It's like a movement and the the micro communities, not just the larger ones. There's always a community of people like minded with the hobbies, activities, interests that you have. You just have to go out there and put yourself out there. A lot of people are afraid, they're reserved, they're extra, you know, introverts, not extroverts, they're introverts of being judged, right? Scared of what people think. When you get to the mindset and you're much more, you know, more mature and comfortable with who you are, then you don't care what other people think. You live your life the way you want to live. And that's a good state to be in, right? So it sounds like you've gotten to that stage. What is, and maybe share with the listeners like a little bit about your business, um, what your focus are on, what projects you're working on, and what's your you know horizon? What's in the, the next phase of your business? Well, you know, I'm pretty monotonous, <laughs> focusing on growing the business um, and uh, working with more entrepreneurs to turn their uh, book ideas into bestsellers, getting them on the bestselling lists, getting them into bookstores. That's what's exciting uh, for me. And uh, just uh, growing. So we've been doubling. Now it's a multi-million business that we're doubling. So, you know, potentially the the numbers are larger, might be more difficult, but also we have systems that we know what works right now. So we can just, you know, double that (laughs) and we know the business will grow. Uh, I also don't think it's a crazy goal because I've been in a mastermind with people that were 10xing in one year. And I thought that was crazy. And also just looking at the agenda because uh, that guy shared his agenda. I'm like, when do you do, like, when do you eat? When do you uh, see your family? It was just, you know, crazy agenda. But he was 10 
so I think it's important to have goals that are, you know, smart, the smart goals, um, the smart that stands for specific, measurable, yeah. uh, um, ach- achievable, Action. is it? Action, uh, result, and... And time bound. Yeah. So anyway, you know, uh, it's important to have those goals. Like you can't start with a dollar and say, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire next week. I mean, it might, might happen <laughs> in some reason, in some way, but you have to, you know, it has to be realistic. That's the R. It has to be realistic. Like you have to know that you can actually do that. Yeah. So like if you do the breathing exercise and you're able to hold your breath for one minute today, you can probably hold it for one minute and five seconds tomorrow. Yeah. Probably not for three minutes tomorrow. So, you know, uh, that's also important. So when, as I grow my business, when I set goals, these are goals that, are deployed throughout the team and if the goal is to double the revenue then you know the guys doing the uh outreach on social media they're going to double that the guys that are doing the sales calls are going to double that so we might need another guy or another two guys here there or increase the you know whatever systems we're using and it's all doable so we everybody's on board like everybody's rowing in the same direction (laughs) uh knowing where we're going so you know you can't keep it a secret anymore like because when you're just starting oh, i'm not going to reveal the numbers i don't want people to know what we're making because you know uh, uh <laughs> you can't be like that anymore you know as you grow bigger it just has to be transparent and when people know where they're all going then um you actually have a good chance of getting there and, and i love the fact that you're being as vulnerable like not vulnerable like letting people in on your goals, your team, and they all have to be in alignment, right? Because with you as the leader, and you are putting together these goals and metrics, collaborating, and making sure that people are on the same page at the right time, and making sure that they are clear on what they're accountable for, their KPIs, their metrics, their, you know, results are dictated when everyone else is moving along the lines. And this is the systems and processes that you've been harvesting over years. And I've been running my agency for eight years, so I kind of get it. But early stages when you're just starting off, like you're doing everything and not even knowing what you're doing right or wrong, right? So it, it gets easier as the years progress, as you become more aware of what challenges are going to be faced and the people that you bring in your team is so critical to the success that you're going to be uh, having, right? So making sure you put the right people at the right spots at the right time, right? And, you know, when you start learning that, as opposed to trying to do everything to save a couple dollars, it's not going to be a couple dollars because you're going to lose sleep at night, you're stressed, you hate Mm. what you do, and all these other ripple effects will happen because then you're treating your staff and your clients horrible because you you know, have all this tension, right? Yeah. So I, I love that. Um, so how can people get a, a hold of you, reach out to you um, if they have any questions, Alinka? The best place is to go to leaderspress.com. Then you can see what we do. Um, there's a book for everybody who's interested called Outsource Your Book. So when you go to the website, uh, it's going to pop up and you can get the PDF and the audiobook if you want to listen to it, because I guess listeners like our listeners like to listen. 
So just go to leaderspress.com, get yourself the book. Um, there's my email there as well. So you can contact me about anything. And uh, I think that's the best way to keep in touch. And I loved your story, Alinka. I love your energy. I love what you're doing. Um, and if I'm, you know, I'm going to, I usually travel as well. So I'm going to hit you up with some other tips and, you know, where should I go next in my bucket list? So I love that. Um, but if you're ever in Canada, not West Coast, but mm -hmm. in the middle of Toronto, hit me up. I will take you out. I'll show you around. But I really want to thank you and ultra grateful for your time uh, to be on the show. And I know you're going to be an ultra success here in North America and with all the efforts that, and the partnerships that you've been able to gain traction on. So I love what you're doing. And again, thank you, Alinka, for your time. Thank you, John. Likewise, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to The Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs. 